Hi friends, welcome to Why We Care. I'm your host Tiffany and I started this podcast because I realized that most people know how to reduce their carbon footprints, but few know how to directly help protect nature and biodiversity. So together we'll explore our relationship with the natural world and learn how we can take better care of Mother Earth in our everyday lives. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Poppy Mason Watts, one of the founding members of Waterbear Network, a streaming platform where you can watch award-winning environmental and social films and documentaries for free. The first time I heard about Waterbear, it was introduced to me as free environmental Netflix, which I think is pretty cool. Poppy and I spoke about the power of storytelling and how Waterbear are bridging the gap between those important stories and clear actions you can take, such as petitions you can sign and nonprofits you can support. She shared examples of the positive impact she's seen as a result of people watching this film. One of them was when 99% of a group of students said they would be looking to work with leather alternatives after having watched Slay, a documentary about the behind the scenes of the fur and leather industries. I hope you'll enjoy the conversation. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to all the resources Poppy mentioned. Thank you for caring and sending you lots of love. Hi, Poppy. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Of course. Um, so I have been in kind of marketing and communications and, and the growth industry, I guess, for 13 or 14 years now. My role at the moment is a split role. I'm chief growth and impact officer at Waterbear, which is a streaming platform, a little bit like Netflix, but for documentaries and you can take action while you're watching. Um, and I'm also one of the company directors. So I run the business day to day with um, my other two company directors um, who work with me. So yes, yeah, so it's um, an interesting split role, but it's great fun. Amazing, love that. Um, and so I did, I did a little bit, little bit of research and I think you're part of the founding team of uh, Waterbury Network, right? Okay, cool. I believe it was launched in uh, 2020. So we'd love to hear a bit more about um, kind of what prompted you to launch Waterbury specifically at that time. And then also um, a little bit of the process of how it developed into the amazing platform that it is today. Of course. Um, so it's a funny one because we're nearly at our two year anniversary. As you say, mm -hmm. rightly, we launched on December 1, 2020 in deepest, darkest pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. So we were working half remotely, half in the office, a little bit illegally trying to get a business launch. So it was a very <laughs> crazy time. Um, but the idea behind Waterbear was very simple. Um, it was there are two things. The first is trying to build that human connection with nature. So, so all of the water bear colleagues and employees, they really feel that connection to nature and want to deepen that connection. And in partnership with that, um, there is a very disconnected experience for anyone trying to take action. Um, so what I mean by that is if you watch a documentary on Netflix, you can feel very saddened by it or emotional and think, what should I do as an individual? Many individuals will go and then Google, how can I help with climate change? And I think last time we checked, it was like 700 million results in 0.001 seconds if you type that into Google. Wow. And then as, as an individual, you're like, how on earth, what do I do? This is so stressful. Actually, I won't do anything because you know what? It's too big. Mm -hmm. So we set up Waterbear with the idea that we wanted to shorten that consumer action gap 
and make taking action very easy while deepening people's connection to nature. So we use content, amazing award-winning films, award-winning documentaries, short form, so kind of three to five minutes, but also longer feature films. And then we drive, once people have watched a film, we drive them to take an action. It could be signing a petition, it might be sharing with your friends, it might be donating to a specific NGO or a cause or a campaign. But the idea is that storytelling drives emotion, um, it evokes a and we want to harness that emotion and that feeling after watching something to then do something mm -hmm. amazing I love that and I feel like that's uh, yeah I think that was kind of going to be my next question I feel like you've answered some of this already but um yeah I wanted to ask in what ways do you think the stories you share on Water Bear help people um feel that connection with nature because that's also um, yeah, I very much feel that that's also why I'm starting this uh, podcast, just because I feel yeah. like a lot of us really care about nature, but at the same time, we don't really know what to do to help. Um, yeah. So obviously super fun of what you're doing at Waterbear, I love it. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask as well, have you found that uh, people manage to change their behaviors uh, once they've kind of understood a bit more what's at stake, I guess, with the stories you share? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and I definitely think content can change change hearts and minds just to, mm -hmm. to your kind of question. Um, and we definitely see people's behaviors shifting. And, and I can give you an example of a campaign that we ran recently. So all of our content, as I mentioned, you're, you, you know, you're guided to take action or do something. Mm -hmm. And there are two, one of the big things that we want to do is talk to the masses. So I count myself as a mass, a mass person. So, you know, I like reality TV. I like having drinks on a Friday night. I recycle, but I'm probably not the best recycler. Um, yeah. And it's how can I get someone like me, so not just the active people who, who are kind of really consciously doing their bit every day, but someone like me, how can I entice them or excite them and get them into the platform? Um, and how kind of how can I drive someone like me to take action? And the way we're kind of trying to do that is look at different content formats. So traditional documentary storytelling is wonderful, but but can for an average person be a little bit dry, um, and and you know, throw stats and numbers and figures at you, and actually with Water Bear we're trying different content formats to try and bring different audiences in. So we've just told a football story about climate change, so how climate is affecting football pitches, which obviously taps into a sports audience. Yeah. We've just told we're about to launch very funny actually, a film on Friday about deep sea mining, but it's told in animation style, very similar to Family Guy or Rick and Morty. So, you know, there's a whole audience there. Um, we're working on a docu-fiction series in January, February, sorry, a docu-fiction um, piece of content on the migrant crisis, um, especially in the UK, told through the delivery driver. Um, and the idea is that we can bring different people in to start caring about something that matters to them. And everyone, the one thing they care about and then a great example is we launched a big film on the fashion industry called Slay a few months ago you might have seen it yeah, um, not yet but I've, I've heard of it I want to watch it's, it <laughs> it's, it's really worth a watch it's quite harrowing um, and quite shocking mm -hmm. and I think it's funny because the first meeting we had about it everyone was like yeah but you know not everyone cares about fashion and actually if you put clothes on every day you kind of care a little bit right so the idea the idea of that film was to um try and change a legislation in europe around using fur and leather in fashion shows but also to raise awareness and shift consumer attitudes to using fur and leather in product design um so clothing design so that the next uh, 
inspiration of fashion students. Um, so we've managed to fantastically um, use the film as a, a vehicle to start a conversation between the British Fashion Council, Stella McCartney and some other brands who are now getting around the table to see if they can change laws. And then on the other side, we've done multiple screenings of that film at fashion schools and before you know, you do a test of how people feel before they see the film and then how they see after the film. And, and kind of, I think 99% of students came out and said they don't ever want to work with leather again, which is- mm -hmm. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, um, and that's what we're trying to do. Sorry, that was a very long answer, but that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, but that's amazing. And I love to hear that, um, yeah, that you're finding, um, that you're seeing results and that you're yeah. managing to bridge that gap. Because I agree that, um, yeah, sometimes you watch these documentaries and you want to help, but you also feel helpless. So, um, yeah, I, I love that you're managing to to bring everything together and, and really get people to act on these issues. That's really cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then um, maybe you've kind of answered this already with uh, what you just said, but what is your favorite film uh, on Water Baron Wise? They're like, if we had to start with one, which one uh, would it be? <laughs> well, there's so many. Um, I love a new series that's just come out, actually. It's called Every Living Thing. And it's a four part series about species that are on the brink of extinction. Um, and it's told in a very comical way. Um, so it includes it engages everyone and it's just launched and then there are some feature films I love there's a film called Skid Row Marathon about how the power of running has helped um, ex-convicts kind of get back on the straight and narrow there's a film called The True Cost which you might have seen which is about the fashion industry yeah. mm -hmm. um, and what I love about the platform is that you've got these amazing films that kind of lots of people have heard of because they're, they're all documentary blockbusters but then we're also creating these very different pieces of content to, to try and bring so there's, there's a real range. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And I, what I also love about Waterbear is that um, you have different lengths. So I found myself uh, sometime with like my lunch where I wouldn't have the time to watch an hour and a half documentary, but I find one that is maybe like 20 minutes or something. And there's some that yeah. are even shorter, right? You, you have some that are yeah. maybe like five minutes or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah, amazing. I love that. There's, yeah, something for everyone, it feels. Yeah, and I think if we can get people to kind of, obviously everyone's on their mobile phones these days and is consuming content on social and on their phones. Mm. And if we can get people to watch a five minute thing and then just do something really quickly in their lunch break, um, there's real power in that. Um, so you don't have to necessarily watch a, a two hour long feature film to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, great. And then um, I had another question. Uh, so my the focus of this podcast is exploring our relationship with nature, but then also... Um, giving people tips on what they can do specifically to help nature and biodiversity in their everyday lives because one of the things that I found is that a lot of people when you ask them what they can do for the planet they will say things like um, driving cycling instead of driving or flying less and a, a lot of things that are linked with their um, carbon footprint um, which is obviously all very important and great but also I find that people don't really know what to do specifically for nature and biodiversity. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, um, it's a question I think um, I'm going to ask pretty much everyone is, um, what do you have any tips that you've gathered also over the years working with all, on, on, these, on all these amazing um, documentaries with all these NGOs? What are your um, yeah, favorite things to do specifically to help protect nature? Sure. There's... Um... There's, there's one big thing. Well, there's, there's two things. Mm -hmm. The first is to try as an individual to reconnect to nature. Um, we're also kind of, we're also busy in our daily lives and we sit behind computer screens and we're kind of 
work is is the mainstay for most people and I think just getting back out into it I spent um I often go and spend some time in Wales where I grew up um mm-hmm. and there are no there is nothing where where we grew up it's it's you know be- barren beaches um very cold weather and lots of hills and it's it's starting there and feeling like you're reconnecting with with what nature is because I think we all forget that um our documentaries and just the experiences over the last two years the one big thing and this is going to sound a little bit weird <laughs> but it's <laughs> go for it protect, the big thing is protect the bees and I know that sounds strange but bees are so so important and I'm bringing it up because the piece of content we just launched called every living thing that I mentioned has an episode about protecting bees and how important they are to our ecosystems mm-hmm. um and I think I was certainly very ignorant when I first started in the environmental space or, or kind of environmental storytelling. I was very ignorant of a lot of a lot of things. But if you could choose one or two things, I would say reconnecting with nature yourself, looking after kind of the species that are are protecting our ecosystems for us. Um, and the other, the other thing is supporting kind of local like local agriculture, local farms that are also protecting our ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. I love that. That's super helpful. Thank you for sharing. Then uh, I have another question, which is a bit more on the personal side, and it's what was the moment uh, you realized you cared about the environment? Did you have kind of a light bulb moment or uh, when when did you yeah, start realizing that yeah. something was wrong and, and wanting to to do something about it? Yeah, I had two major light bulb moments that happened mm-hmm. quite um so I lived in Asia for many years I spent majority of my career working in Singapore and then in Hong Kong which is obviously concrete jungles and I started working for National Geographic um and I loved Nat Geo I loved everything it stood for um but more than that I kind of loved TV so it wasn't in an environmental documentary space it was because I just adored television um and we started working on a huge campaign um about protecting the rivers around the world mm-hmm. and they the kind of the business cared more about numbers and ratings and what it would do for brand awareness rather than actually making an impact and, and collecting plastic rivers and I kind of remember sitting there being like hey this doesn't feel right I, I really want to be doing more than that this is a huge global problem and I have no idea of, of the gravity of the situation and, and I want to do more so there was that moment and that's when I started thinking about a little bit of a shift in career stuff And then the other moment was my my brother's um, partner is a sustainable fashion designer and she she makes beautiful products using offcuts of linen that are left on factory floors and chucked away. Um, and I kind of, apart from my polar bear jumper today that I'm wearing that no one would be able to see, but um, everything, <laughs> everything I normally wear is made by her and it's, it's linen. And I got into a really heated discussion with her about kind of the fast fashion industry and, and why we should why we should be doing more um so it was those two twinned moments that made me think hang on an individual I could go and see I could I could do more personally and and that's where it kind of started amazing thank you for sharing another uh question that I had was I really love on the water bear Instagram account all the positive news that you share and I find that often it just yeah it brings a smile to my face um listeners if you haven't uh seen them go check out their the water bear Instagram account because you share them quite regularly right it's like a little carousel of just yeah Yeah. good news and (laughs) and and cute pictures um and I know that it's uh for for a lot of people it, it can be really challenging to stay positive I think especially if you're working in that space or just if you're um as I think more and more people are becoming aware of, of these issues that we're facing 
So I wanted to ask um, if you have any tips and, and kind of how you manage to keep um, a good balance and like protect a good balance and uh, protect your mental health. And if there's, um, yeah, anything in particular you do to, to stay positive? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, um, especially in this time of eco-anxiety. And, mm. and kind of, I was at um, COP26 last year and, and we interviewed a, um, a climate youth activist. I think she was 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And we just describe your life in three words. And she said, exciting, exhilarating, but desperate. And I was like, oh, God, that's so that's wow. so sad. That, that anxiety is, is so prevalent. Um, and it is for sure. It's one of the reasons we do that positive news segment. It's every Sunday and we want to update people on the great things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a personal perspective, I am very fortunate to wake up daily and think I'm trying today to help the world. I'm trying to help the planet. And obviously some days you get hit with different difficult pieces of news and and kind of bad news about COP27 and and God knows what. Um, I think if you take each day and you just think today I'll do my bit, that makes me feel positive. And then in general, on a a kind of personal level, you know, making sure that your like sleep is a big thing, exercising, Mm. making sure health is being looked after um, because you can get in a a real kind of tunnel of everything feels quite sad but actually everything is okay and we're all doing our part mm-hmm. yeah I, I love that I love the yeah I guess focusing on what you're doing to help rather than um seeing everything that that yeah. is not going so well I love that thank you for sharing um and then another question I had was I believe you live in Amsterdam correct yes so how do you um do you still manage to keep uh, a connection with nature in your uh, kind of day-to-day life in the city and uh, yeah do you do anything in particular to maintain that or like how, how do you have that yeah feel, feel that connection yeah. with nature I guess sure so I'm very lucky because I have a dog um, oh, and <laughs> I having a dog for anyone that's listening makes it obviously don't just go and get a dog but it does make it very easy today so I um I get up very very early in the mornings kind of five or six and tend to go on a big hour-long walk every morning in the park um, oh, yeah. and that really grounds me every morning um because it is quite a vast green park and we're very lucky in Amsterdam that there are quite while it is a very small condensed city there are lots of green spaces um but then if I'm desperately craving like mad countryside I go to Wales um where I go and stand on a beach in the wind and that really helps to ground me mm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense, and I love that. Yeah. I have a very similar <laughs> approach to it. Where in London, I don't have a dog yet. It's been yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting a dog for a while. I don't have one yet. Um, but definitely, I think walks in the park um help yeah. even if you don't have a dog. And then I also have this thing where when it gets too much, I'm also lucky to be able to go back home to my family in the countryside, and that just um yeah, sometimes you need that. There's um there's another. I totally agree. And there's another um definitely get a dog by the way. <laughs> but, um, I'm trying to convince my boyfriend I'm working on it <laughs> yeah I mean they're, they're a lot of work but they're great fun yeah. but um the only the other thing I was going to say is there is a podcast called um happiness spells okay. and they're like three three to five minute little clips of um, someone reading happy thoughts and there's Ooh. a lot about nature there's a lot about nature in there so it's things like you know standing in the rain and feeling it on your face or walking with the sand between your toes and you kind of I always listen to it in the mornings oh I love that and it makes you feel very calm because it's talking about moments so it's worth checking out 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm go I'm going to check this out because I feel like it's yeah. also, I, I try to do things like meditate, my, being yeah. mindful, being present and everything, but sometimes it's hard and I feel like this sounds like such a great uh, kind of tool that forces you to yeah. take a little it's, moment. And, for know. sure, it's the perfect, so I, I can't meditate because I can't sit still for more than yeah. about 20 minutes. But this is, it's three to five minutes. And if you put it on in the morning or just before you go to bed and it's very rooted in kind of, um, yeah, nature comes up a lot and it, it makes you feel very calm. So I would highly recommend it. Amazing. I will try that tomorrow morning for sure. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And then is my, actually my last question was, I wanted to ask for two recommendations. The first one being, is there anyone in particular that you think I should interview uh, for this podcast? And then the other one was, um, I always love a book recommendation. So this is also something I'll ask everyone. Uh, what is your favorite book that you've ever read and why? Perfect. That's the easiest question today because <laughs> it's a book I've carried with me for years, but it's it's called Oryx and Crake by Margaret uh -huh. Atwood. Okay. Um, and it's it's actually a, a number one of a trilogy. It's mm -hmm. an opian future where things have gone a bit wrong and it's just the most fantastic kind of sci-fi but kind of not because it's where we're heading to a little bit with with where the world is going and it's just an excellent, excellent book and I would highly recommend it okay amazing and then in terms of interviewing someone I um we're working with a fantastic organization called Peace Players and Peace Players is an organization that unites children in war-torn locations through the power of sport um, and we've been very fortunate to work with the executive director there, someone called Karen Dublay, and she's fantastic. I've, I've met her a few times and find her quite inspirational to listen to, and, and the work they're doing at Peace Players is amazing. Um, so I would, if you want a recommendation, I'd be very happy to put you in touch because she's fab. Amazing. Well, yeah, that sounds great. Great. Well, thank you so much. I think that's the end of our conversation, but uh, yeah, that was amazing. I loved it. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me, and if you need anything else, feel free to shoot me an email or any questions sounds good thank you so much have a great rest of your day see you soon thank you bye guys speak later bye thank you listeners hope you enjoyed the conversation don't forget to follow us on instagram at why we care podcast for all updates more stories and ways for you to take action and if you want to help the podcast i would be super grateful if you could leave a little review on apple or spotify or maybe share it with a friend who you think might like it thank you so so much in advance and see you next week Thank you for caring and sending you lots of love.